Hello, and welcome to the Area 831 podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gaither. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Emily Stansel. Before we get into today's episode, please take a moment to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at Area 831 Podcast. That's where you'll be able to check out some of the behind-the-scenes content, as well as find out when our next episode will be dropping. It's also where we can see your feedback about the show. Tell us what you think. Let us know if there's someone you think we should be talking to. Hey, before we get started with today's interview, I want to thank all of you who are taking the time to listen to these shows and, and subscribing and hopefully passing the word and sharing them. We really appreciate that. It's been a lot of fun doing this. We're more than a half dozen episodes in and having a lot of fun with a lot of cool, interesting guests coming up. Um, as in today's episode, today we're going to be talking to a, a resident of pretty much Santa Cruz Central. Uh, we'll be talking to Jimbo Phillips, who's from Live Oak. And you might know, he's an artist, you might know his dad's work. His dad created these, the Blue Screaming Hand skate logo that you see everywhere. Jimbo is an amazing artist as well. Learned from his dad, went off in his own direction, but he does skateboard art and rock art artwork for bands um their monster influence very heavy santa cruz influence i think this is going to be really fun yeah we're really looking forward to this one it's always nice to talk to people who are you know considered local celebrities and everybody recognizes this art not even just here but in other countries so we're, we're thinking this is going to be a really fun one jimbo nice to meet you nice to meet you too Thanks for taking the time to chat with us today about the cool things you do. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for uh, inviting me. Yeah, and so let's just start from square one. So for our audience, what do you do? We know we're, we're looking at it on video and we see some cool stuff in the background, but talk about your work. Yeah, uh, my name's Jimbo Phillips. I'm an artist in Santa Cruz, California. Um, I do graphic art, illustration, design, um, a lot of skateboards, rock posters, t-shirts, stickers, that kind of stuff. Um, I've been doing it for roughly 30 years now. I started under my dad's teachings. Um, my dad started in the 60s and uh, he's responsible for a lot of the, like the Santa Cruz Red Dot and a lot of, uh, a lot of classic stuff around town. And so I uh, started working for him out of high school, late 80s. And uh, he needed some help. Skateboard uh, industry at the time was booming. So he kind of pulled me in and um, started kind of having me try and take the load off by teaching me the, what he does and showed me a lot of things. And then eventually I was able to kind of fill in some stuff here and there. And uh, that was kind of really, really where I got the initial spark and, um, and skill set. I had always been drawing since I was little, so I kind of had a good foundation of just drawing a lot. But uh, I really learned like the technical aspects of creating a professional piece of art and stuff back then. And yeah, been doing it ever since. Nice. <laughs> and I want we want to focus on you, but I think for our listeners, your dad created the iconic screaming hand logo. Correct. So yes. you had a really good mentor in your dad as an artist. Yeah, yeah, I did. I was lucky. Uh, is your whole family artistic or is it mostly you're, you're getting this from your dad? Um, well, my grandpa was artistic. He did like sculptures and stuff. And then oh. we have uh, one, my one of my I think my 
great great grandma was artistic she did a lot of like fine pencil illustrations she'd do like these uh kind of vaudeville ladies and stuff like way these oh, old fun. drawings yeah so oh. yeah there is art in the my my great grandma or my grandma was a um a musician and we have and her sister was a musician so we have uh some art and music and then i play drums so kind of carrying on the the music side of it too a little bit <laughs> who do you play with who do you play out yeah i have i have a little band it's called el normbo we play we played the blue lagoon a couple times and stuff yeah it's just it's just kind of for fun but uh you know i always like to have music in my life so we practice and Amen. Try, Amen try and sound as good as possible yeah hey here's a tangent we don't need to do this but um because you're an artist can you let people know what your website is right off the bat yeah, it's, it's jimbophillips.com. And then they can follow me on Instagram at, at Jimbo Phillips. And I post a lot of like um, current, you know, poster drops or whatever is going on. So it's a good place to get updated. Yeah. So for our listeners, while you're listening to, to Jim talk about what he does, Jimbo talk about what he does, you can you can check out his artwork too while we're while we're doing this. Yeah. yeah. So native Santa Cruz. Uh-huh. What area did you grow up in? Santa Cruz, uh, Live Oak. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, close, closer to Capitola than downtown, but uh, not quite there. So kind of east side, I guess you could say. Okay. Yeah. East, east side slash Midtown, kind of right on the right in this little Live Oak's kind of its own little time zone. Yeah, <laughs> and, you know, and, and Santa Cruz and Santa Cruz proper is obviously skating and skating and surfing is a big part of our culture but you're kind of mm -hmm. in the epicenter of it they're probably in live oak yeah mm -hmm. yeah i mean we have we have a little skate park here and uh yeah i just i'm close to the beach and capitola and then it's not far from downtown so yeah i always just i always just considered all of santa cruz the zone you know i never would really like bought into east side west side or none of that stuff oh no so. you don't think so i feel like it's it's so dichotomized so the east side versus uh, the west side yeah i mean especially in surfing but uh i kind of just surfed wherever i wanted to I didn't <laughs> but i mean i i the east side was closer so i did end up there most of the time but uh yeah you think it's the same for for skating or no you think it's more universal throughout town skating is definitely more universal yeah dudes don't worry so much about that stuff because uh there's plenty of concrete to go around. I was gonna say you can't. This is this is my <laughs> sidewalk. You know, this is my right. Hill. Right. Right. Well, there's yeah. there aren't sidewalks. The side the east side doesn't really have that many sidewalks. <laughs> right. That's a good. That's yeah. a good point, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Pleasure Point didn't even have a sidewalk at all when I was young, so it was just a, it's just a rough street. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You know, and eventually, it, and eventually, it, it might not, depending on how. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Right. Right. <laughs> It was a rough winter for you out of the area listeners. It was a rough winter. <laughs> yeah. The cliffs did some of the cliffs did not do well. Right, right. Yeah, it was a rough winter. Yeah. So Joe and I are in South County. So I, skating was was when I was a kid, skating was, but it wasn't like huge like it is now. I think Bill's Wheels opened their first store in Watsonville, like back back when I was a kid. Right. Yeah. Now they're big. I, I'm I'm pretty sure it was the first Bill's Wheels. I think it was in Watsonville. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah, so we used to go in there and get parts and wheels and all that, all that kind of fun stuff. But it wasn't right. It, it wasn't huge here yet. Now it probably is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Skating's had a few waves up and downs, but uh, yeah. I yeah, I feel like it's kind of in this upper echelon where even if it dips a little, it's still like really 
big and popular. It's kind of like made its way into pop culture, you know, so it's yeah. it's not going anywhere, you know, like back yeah. in the 70s when it started, like it it would dip and people were like, oh, it's it's a fad like the yo-yo or whatever. It's going to go right. away. And and uh, it's I mean, it's it's much more uh, obviously than that. It's you know, it's such a versatile activity that it's never going to go away. Yeah. I mean, and you I think we got a board with wheels on it. I mean, how can you go wrong? Right. 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 And I think I what think, goes along, go ahead, Emily. Oh, I was going to say, um, Avril Lavigne, that, that singer, um, I'm probably going to give my age away by saying that I used to listen to her growing up, but right. she oh. was, you know, punk rock and had a skateboard. So for my, I think it was maybe my fifth birthday, sixth birthday, I asked for a skateboard and oh, awesome. you know I don't think it was anything cool or notable you know right. like who made it but I remember you know being so excited getting this you know you can't wrap a skateboard very easily so it was just covered in a towel <laughs> yeah. it wasn't yeah, socks you know, right it was it. A... <laughs> yeah yeah exactly I, I, I'm just realizing Emily we have no idea how old you are because I remember <laughs> when Avril Lavigne and Skater Boy came out quite vividly and you're saying you were five or six that uh (laughs) makes me a little nervous (laughs) (laughs) at least i think maybe maybe it wasn't in at the same time i just know she had a big impact on me in terms of you know like the type of music i listened to and uh you know just me feeling like sassy and you know like as a little kid but maybe maybe my timeline is off but i was five or six when i got the skateboard so something influenced me enough (laughs) to get it (laughs) yeah i mean things like that are cool when when uh someone can uh steer you in that direction you know i mean a lot of skaters might like hate on on avril lavigne but uh yeah if she brought some skateboarding to some girls along the way then that's great you know yeah absolutely yeah i've still got my old like banana board with these 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 not great wheels in the ground i can't bring myself to give it to goodwill it's like i'm not gonna i don't ride it anymore but it's like i had it when i was a kid and i'm like i can't oh uh, yeah anything. yeah but you gotta save that you'll regret it if you give it away i for know sure. i know i was gonna say what goes along with skidding like when i when i started the late 70s early 80s whenever that was um skating started but i think what happened now is, is probably partially your dad your dad's influence but what you're doing especially now um culture and fashion and and just everything that goes along it's not it's more than just riding a board which is really cool but yeah you know, the, the santa cruz logo uh the the screaming hand the, the things i see behind you on the wall mm-hmm. those that artwork they, becomes part of fashion and culture even for people who don't skate they know, yeah. they know some of those iconic things when they i usually I'm using the word iconic too much they see those cool drawings and and artwork and they know what it, what it represents Right. I think that's part of it. Now. It's, that's, that's why it got bigger and bigger and bigger, too. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a lot that goes with it, for sure. Yeah. There's, it's a whole, like, lifestyle, really. I mean, you could dress head to toe and yeah, and all the all the gear and, you know, you decorate your house. And I yeah. mean, now people buy boards to hang them on the wall as, you know, house decorations. And kind stuff, of like so. surfboards, right? They're, be- yeah. they're beautiful works yeah. of art. Yeah. Yeah, same exactly. Thing. Well, it's yeah. cool because people are appreciating the art that's on skateboards, you know, and yeah, and considering it art and stuff. So that's great, you know. It's yeah, kind of brings it into the into the art gallery almost, you know, like pretty much. When yeah. I got my when I got I got a I don't have a lot of tattoos. I got this tree tattoo from my birthday a couple of months ago, oh, and nice. I got it at ha- yeah, it's pros in a tree, and I got it at Hatton Social Club because the tattoo artist that I like went there. But on the wall, they've got a lot of boards. Yeah, they've done artwork for. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I think they have a couple of my boards in there. I heard. Oh, cool. They probably do. Yeah. It's, it's a really nice, it's a really nice spot. Yeah. My so son he, goes in there. He's friends with uh, Noel and he just got a tattoo from him. So he goes in there and draws with him and stuff. Way cool. So on all these boards that are obviously done up really well with art on the back, do people then actually skate with those? Is it is like part of the appeal to get them all, you know, like scuffed up on the bottom? Or would you do you think that they're mostly being bought and then being displayed on the wall, like the one behind you? Well, the one behind me is a one-off. So if someone bought that, they would probably just hang it on their wall. But boards in general, I feel like if you're a skater, you're gonna skate it, you know. But there are there is a big um market for people that buy boards and don't skate them mm -hmm. i mean they'll probably they'll have their one board they do skate but they'll buy way more boards than they're gonna skate and they'll just save them because now there's a collector's market as we're in the 80s no one collected boards and everyone just skated them and they all got destroyed so those boards are worth like a lot of money yeah. as we're now everyone's buying boards to save them so the boards aren't going to be as rare like in the future, but they do go up in value anyways. So there is kind of a buy, sell, trade kind of uh, market that you can do with, with boards nowadays. Even as soon as the board goes off the market, it's considered, you know, rare because you can't get it anymore. So if you bought one of them, then you could mark it up and resell it, you know. So what are what are some of these boards like going for? Like high low range i mean i i i, I mean i see boards as up as art in coffee shops and here there and everywhere and i, I have some friends who have boards hung just yeah. like you do behind you um and i always wonder like what does something like that like as an artist like what does that fetch you know because i'm i'm not in the the collecting life so i'm just curious. right <laughs> i mean um a board from the 80s that's hard to find or a like hand painted board from a from a known artist could you know go up to five or ten grand. Wow. Uh, yeah, that but, had uh, uh, one more zero in it than I thought it might have. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they get up there for sure. And you know, of course, that's all depending on finding the right buyer. You know, it's you know, it's not just like you'll be selling like. 10, you know 10 grand all the time but like there are people that are willing to spend that much for a certain board that fits in their collection you know they're they're looking for a certain board a certain colorway like very specific things about boards you know like this the purple one or or something like that you know so if someone runs across the purple roscop from you know 1984 and that that's what they have to have in their collection you know they're some guys are willing to spend whatever it takes to get that board, you know? So do you, do you have people contact you and, and ask you to commission pieces? I mean, I do a lot of like one-off boards. Um, people, you know, sometimes for like a friend's kid's birthday or something, they want a painted board for their son or, or I get orders online. Sometimes people just want like a specific thing on a board. Um, Sometimes I'll just paint boards and, and put them up for sale, just whatever I want to do. And uh, and then sometimes I'll get hit up for like companies that want a painted skateboard and they kind of want to use it as like a promotion or like some kind of uh, content for their Instagram or 
TikTok or whatever, you know, things like that. So yeah, it kind of varies in range of um, people's needs and stuff like that, but there's definitely a, a good demand for it. Uh, I mean, on skateboard art, there's not really any boundaries. So skateboarding is kind of the one thing where like pretty much anything goes, or at least it did up until recent times. <laughs> um, pretty much you could do like, and people did do just about anything on a skateboard, you know, whether it was taboo or not. Um, you know, now, nowadays there might be a little bit more of a brake system involved as far as what people want to do. But uh, um, I feel like skateboard skateboards in general, I've always like pushed the envelope for art and graphics and what's what's what you could sell on a on a product, you know. Mm -hmm. a lot of companies try and follow but um you know skateboarding will always be kind of the pinnacle of that for sure like no one can really hold a pole to the art that skateboarding is has put out you know yeah it sounds like like any artist you do a mix of commissioned work probably some you do a run of one design and then you know a lot of one-offs too um yeah yeah yeah. yeah, I mean, one-offs are cool because it's just, uh, you can just paint right on the board and it kind of yeah. gets, gets you off the computer and stuff and you're just like, right, you know, you get your get some paint on your hands and stuff. But, you know, a produce board is nice too because then you, you have some copies of it or, you know, people can go get it at a store and it's available out there for people to ride as where a one-off just kind of goes in someone's house and hangs on yeah, the wall. Yeah, it's, it's a piece of art to be displayed and not, not worn, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, both are good, but just different different outcomes, kind of. Yeah, but yeah I, was, I do. I do like to see a board that someone's ridden and kind of what you know what they've done to it. Like, oh yeah. man, you know, like just the scratches and the if they were doing board slides or whatever, it's like you could really see it on there. And yeah. kind of like when I I got my Santa Cruz guitar several years ago, and, and the guy who works on it used to work for them, Gerard Egan. And I took it to him to get worked on a while back, and it, it's got a couple of gouges, and I kind of felt bad because he did the original work on it. And I go here, he goes, he goes it's good honest wear you're playing this thing it was like right fine. you know it's like it's being used it's it's a good yeah. it's being used you know exactly yeah it's kind of like almost like love marks you know like right <laughs> yeah it's exactly. like yeah because you know if it's just stashed away in some plastic bag in your closet that's it's not really getting the the usage it deserves you know really what it was built for right right yeah this so, is a go ahead Emily. So um, obviously you, you trained under your dad for a while before starting your own company, but what, um, mm -hmm. what other factors, um, you know, like affected and, and shaped your style? Like what, what outside influences sort of got you to where you are with these really saturated graphics and, you know, really out there um, designs? Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I grew up watching like, old like black and white horror movies like Frankenstein and Dracula and all that stuff I was really into when I was a kid um and then uh you know like cartoon Saturday morning cartoons and then I read a lot of like Mad Magazine I always I totally I totally see that in your work I was gonna yeah. jump into remember the odd rods bubblegum cards with the the weird oh, monsters yeah. driving is that yeah, that, that was an influence wasn't it yeah 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 I was a card collector I collected the cards yeah. back in the day that wacky packs and um yep. you know the star wars cards when those came out i had like the whole collection of the very first star wars cards but 
you know, I ended up losing them over the years, but <laughs> I was like, dang, I wish I had those cards. But And then like co Marvel comics, I collected comics a lot when I was a kid, you know, and then, uh, yeah, a lot of my dad's influence. And then later as I got into art, like some, you know, artists my dad was into, he turned me on to like, uh, you know, Rick Griffin and Big Daddy Roth and, uh, and uh, Bernie Wrightson, a lot of these like classic um comic artists that were really good with like black um black inking you know because that's kind of our style is really based in this black inking style so a lot of that kind of stuff over to uh tattoos do you ever see people sporting tattoos of your work yeah yeah i get a lot of uh instagram people hit me up like oh i got your pizza guy on my arm or whatever yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> Yeah, I'm seeing I've the pizza guy scroll by on the other screen as you're talking about pizza guy. That's great. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have some. I did a little. Uh, we made this little like figure, little pizza figure guy. <laughs> oh, how cool is that? Yeah. So I, I noticed you're selling um, a lot of your works direct um, on your website. Was that a conscious decision of yours, and not to like license things out, or maybe you do license things out? Um, but I'm just wondering, like on the, you know, how, you know, you, you kind of keep your brand going and seem like you want to own your works versus, you know, like I said, license them out. Was that a, how did that decision come about? Or was it something you consciously thought about when you decided to go out on your own? Yeah. Um, it started with like, I'd go to the skate shops and I was just like, all these stickers are like logos and like, maybe there's a couple, you know, there'd be like a screaming hand or you know, a bone sticker or something, but I just felt like there was a big uh, gap in the kind of just like cool stickers. I wasn't really seeing them around. So I just, that's kind of where my initial um, spark was. I was like, I just want to make some cool stickers and they're cheap and, you know, they don't, you know, you can sell them for cheap and they're, you know, they're, it's kind of a cost effective little marketing tool. And I was going to say, it's a good, mar it's good for marketing and they're fun. Yeah. 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 And then, yeah. And you can give them away and it doesn't cost you anything and stuff like that. And so I just started making stickers and more and more. And then eventually I was like, I should put some of these designs on shirts. And then I made some hats and yeah, it just kind of like snowballed from there. But um, stickers was definitely my, uh, my inspiration. And I, now I have like probably like a hundred different sticker designs. It's getting kind of <laughs> crazy. <laughs> And I keep making so cars. You, you end up doing a lot of collaborations with um, local companies, right? I mean, I've seen yeah. Merge 4. I've seen your stuff on Merge 4 socks. And mm -hmm. I saw on your Instagram that you did some work with the Catalyst too. Yeah. yeah so it must be fun to work with, you know, work with these companies that you've probably grown up, you know, utilizing, going to the Catalyst and, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it is cool. Yeah, it's kind of, it's like a full circle kind of thing, you know, like, working with uh iconic brands from town and stuff like that so yeah that's always it's always a pleasure i like doing that stuff too my my own brands kind of like i do you know i work on people's stuff most of the day and then uh i kind of do my own brand stuff at night kind of after hours and so but uh you know i get busy with uh doing other people's stuff and a lot of times you have to cater to kind of what people want and their needs and stuff which is fine but like, sometimes I just kind of want to do whatever I want. And that's kind of where my own stuff comes in. So when you're making, when you come up with a design that is going to be replicated, not just a one-off design, 
do you like, for example, if you were going to put it on a t-shirt, obviously you're making the screen print for that. Um, and I don't know too much about screen printing. I've, I've done it a little bit, but I, is it that you have, like, are you hand drawing these designs and then putting them in the computer or are you designing it on the computer? And then you just have this digital file that you can then create into a screen print or, you know, have printed as a poster or a sticker. Like what's, what's your process? What's like the, the creative process like for you? Um, I always start with a pencil sketch just on paper, just pencil on paper. And I'll just kind of start loose and get a, a composition and then try and fit in, fit in whatever I'm trying to uh, get across in it. And then uh, I have a light table and then I'll kind of just put a piece of paper on top of the pencil, redraw it. Sometimes I'll redraw it a couple of times in pencil to get it refined, but uh, sometimes I'll just go right to ink and I'll draw it again in nice ink, try and get the ink lines really clean. And then uh, it usually ends up in the computer though at some point. And then um, kind of uh, like for t-shirts, you have to vectorize it and stuff like that. So there's a little bit of a process and then you can, you can do colors really easy on computer. So it's really great for coloring and you can change colors really, really quickly and stuff like that. So if somebody's like, Oh, can I see it in blue? You know, it's like, only takes a second and you can change the color. So the computer is definitely like a very important tool and sending art off. You know, I used to have to drive my art. Like if someone wanted something in San Francisco, like by tomorrow, I'd have to like drive up there and deliver it. And <laughs> now yeah. I can get, press a button and uh, right. Digital makes it easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So there are, there are a lot of uh, helpful things about the computers for sure, but I still try and do as much as possible on, on paper and stuff when I can. Yeah. Just to... I like, I like how you start with pencil and paper still, and then you move to yeah. the tech. Yeah. 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 I try and, uh, I try and keep that. Uh, plus that's just kind of how I learn. So I'm more comfortable with that. I've got, a, I have an iPad and I, I try and like do illustrations on there and they'll be fun, but it's never like something I feel like I'm going to use or anything for some reason. I don't know. I haven't got to like where I like start a drawing and then finish it on there. It's always just kind of more doodly or something. But yeah. if I do a finished art piece for somebody, I always go to the paper. It's just kind of where I'm comfortable. Yeah. Good idea. It's, it's, it's more, ta I, I like the tactile. Like when I'm, when I'm songwriting, I still, I still start with pen and paper and then I'm, yeah. I just, I like the tactile and there's more elements involved, I think, than just clicking and typing. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah. Plus, less uh, less screen time. You know, is nice. Oh, yeah, big time. Exactly. <laughs> big time. Uh, talking about some other things you do, we, we, you mentioned music earlier, and I was looking at some of your posters, and the first thing I <laughs> see on your website is Social Distortion, one of the greatest bands ever. There's that, yeah, yeah. and then a lot of local bands. There's the Expendables. There's the Merman, and Good Riddance, who was our second interview. Uh, so you oh, do a lot with local bands too, right? Yeah, you have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's kind of what got me into the band thing is just starting with, I just started with local bands. I was doing stuff for like, uh, bands. I had friends that were in bands back, back in the, uh, late eighties, mm -hmm. early nineties, uh, fiend master freak. And I know the guys in good riddance and, uh, some of those bands and it's a small town. Yeah. So I do like little show flyers and, you know, they'd go up around town and people would see him. And then a, a band, I ask you for like a t-shirt design or something. And, yeah, and it kind of snowballed, and then uh, now lately I've been doing posters for like Primus and 
nice. Guns and Roses and a few things like that. So wow, nice. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's been pretty cool to kind of kind of uh see how where it's gone, you know. Yeah, I was gonna ask you that I, I've noticed when back in the day, like concert posters were pretty prevalent. You couldn't go to a show without a poster showcasing that show and like you could buy it or you could just rip it off the wall at the venue, you know, and you had it forever as a memento. And I can't right. say then again, I'm probably not looking for them now, but are show posters still, you know, a thing like the, they used to be? Well, it's kind of made a comeback. They're, it's not so much about like, it used to be kind of more, you know, flyers and stuff and put them up on poles to advertise the show. Now it's more bands will make the poster as a collectible and they'll sell like uh they'll sell a limited amount of the posters they'll you know they say they print like 200 and they give like 50 to the artists and then they have like 150 to sell at the show and like a band like primus or something they'll they'll put the poster out and it'll sell within you know 45 minutes they'll sell out of them you know because mm -hmm you know all, all the people that know they go there to get the poster and and they just stand in line and and if you don't get there early then you miss out you know if you try and buy it after the show or something they're going to be gone so yeah or if you go to the the i think the Fillmore still I, I can't see can't see it on the video but um the Fillmore when you leave i, I think they're still doing that we'll have a handful of they'll hand out posters to the first people to get up there oh right yeah, yeah. remember that yeah yeah yeah, now the bands are kind of taking it on themselves. It's like, they? uh, yeah, they're kind of because uh, it, it creates a um, a collector market for one for your for your sure. artwork, and then two, it helps you know visual artists you know get their stuff out. It's kind of and and it um, it stokes the fans. So it's kind of this like it's a good thing that kind of uh, juices the wheels of the whole kind of creative. Uh, industry within the music you know yeah and being able to purchase it helps everybody involved the bands and the artists and you're not doing a free-for-all by the front door <laughs> yeah exactly right yeah, yeah. They, they got to stand in line and buy it and it, but they yeah. you know they're affordable and they go up in value you know like yeah. there's all these collector groups on uh facebook and stuff and uh guys will put you know i got this poster and you know other dudes are like oh man that's <laughs> <You know? laughs> you know so it, yeah it kind of a frenzy you know for the posters which is cool you know that's yeah, good but it's good it's good marketing for the artists for the band and the fans have yeah. something that, that's they can they can pick up and keep and cherish and all that stuff that's good yeah and the, the bands will get a different artist for each stop of their tour so like you know california or uh you know san francisco will have one artist and then la will have a whole different artist and mm -hmm. so each artist is putting their their uh take on the band's kind of you know visuals which is cool yeah so get all these like a uh, whole array of artists um putting their stamp on kind of like primus or whoever the band is you know on their on their music which it's really really a cool thing nice hey going way back so i know you you learned you've always drawn you learned mm -hmm. obviously from your dad are you taking did you have any did you have any form I took art classes throughout high school and then I went to uh, junior college and took some art classes. I took like life drawing classes for human, human anatomy and um, color and composition and a couple computer classes. There wasn't much back then, you know, this was like the late eighties. So there was some computer classes, but they, they were pretty primitive back then um, compared to now. 
but uh right after that i went i started working for my dad doing graphic stuff so um i kind of just started working full time and went into uh doing art for a living and um it, that was that was a, pretty much the best training i could have had so it, it, yeah sometimes yeah. you have to be thrown into something to learn it yeah know? yeah exactly yeah so yeah it helps to know some stuff you know like you said you took a couple classes out of junior college and but yeah sometimes it's just the best way to get experience is just by being, being thrust into it right right yeah and sometimes uh you know people say schooling can like wreck your art or something because these teachers put these uh I don't know. Sometimes they put their uh, opinion into your head or whatever. And our yeah. art, art's so subjective that, uh, you know, you can kind of go any which yeah, way with it. It depends on the teacher. And I think yeah. with any kind of art, it's like you, yeah. you learn the rules and you can break them. You know, it's a, it's a mix of both. Yeah, Sometimes exactly. it's good to yeah, know those, yeah. those, the, the, have the foundation and go, I can start with this and then uh, F it. Then I'll go do this. Right. Yeah. Right. Right, exactly. But it's, but it's true, though. I mean, sometimes, depending on the teacher, sometimes you get somebody who's, you know, sucking the creativity out of you, or they, I went to school for design, and I remember a teacher, maybe in my third year, just saying, oh, you guys have no idea what you're getting into. Um, you know, there's no money in this industry, you're going to be overworked <laughs> and get underpaid. Right. And, you know, I still think about that to this day. Like, right. I had some great teachers. Right, right. But yeah, so it's it's interesting, like the people that help shape your path into creative. This is a, this is a tangent, but it, go ahead. Yeah, that, that's funny because that's always the advice my dad gave me. He was like, don't go into art. He's like, go to school and be a dentist and make some money or something. <laughs> <laughs> For me, but, I, I right. had this, I, I was I thinking was, like, this is like three careers ago when I was, a, I was training to be a technical writer when I was out of college. And they had this writer come to our class one night and she had a book. We all got a copy of the book and bless her heart. She was this burnt out technical writer. She was just like, like done. And it was so disillusioning. It's just like, why did you bring this person to class who kind of hates what she does? It was just, it was a weird, it was weird. I'm like, right. but you know, I, I wish her well, <laughs> but, but you'll, you'll have teachers like that. Yeah. that been doing something for too long. Right. I mean, yeah. it's good to get a little bit of that like harsh reality Absolutely. Yeah. to kind of yeah. like have these like delusions of grandeur, you know, kind of like put you back on earth and be like, hey, man, it's a lot of hard work and might not pay that well. But if you really like yeah. it, then go for it. But otherwise, if your heart's not in it, maybe yeah. think about something yeah. else, you know. Right. Right. So you talked uh, about your your background and your history and, and coming up like looking at the future of art and how like a lot of artists are doing like NFTs and all of this kind of like one-off, like they own the copyright to it all, like all of that stuff. Have you, have you thought about kind of like your, your career, like 3.0 or 4.0, like, and, and being able to kind of stay on top of how like the, the, the world of art and buying art has, is evolving. Have you thought about that? Has anyone approached you about like these like non-fungible tokens and and whatnot yeah yeah i mean for a while there when that stuff was really hot i had i got quite a few calls about it and uh i was considering it i was kind of coming around to it. at first i was just like what i don't i don't get it and then kind of like learned more about it and 
I was kind of getting close to maybe pulling the trigger and then it kind of mm-hmm. just like fizzled out right right around that yeah. time. And like, this yeah. is the stuff you guys are talking about what when NFT only online, right? The NFT and it's like in the metaverse or something yeah. like that. I don't get it either. <laughs> I don't understand. Well, and, and you don't get real money for it either. So it's kind of this like double not real kind of thing, you know. But yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Is it like with Bitcoin there, or something? It, I was getting a bunch of calls from just people scrambling around. Like it was so like, it was like a gold rush or something. People were just like freaking out. And I was just like, these people are a little too just like freaking out about this. I'm just going to kind of sit back mm-hmm. and see what happens. And yeah, enough, it's it's, it's kind of like a cash grab, right? Like if they, if you sell them a piece of art and it's digital, they own the right to it now. Right. So if it pops up anywhere, they can say, hey, if you're going to use this piece of art, which I am the the rightful owner for, you owe me X amount of dollars to to license it. That's kind of my understanding is if, if you, well, own- you, can, you can put certain things in your in your uh, contract that you make. That was another thing is you have to get these contracts together that really state what your art is, um, what they're getting and what what the the sole purpose is of the art you know because yeah there could be a lot of misunderstanding about who owns the art you know especially if they paid a lot of money for it and things like that so uh there was a lot of like important contractual stuff that needs to be written up and i just didn't really have the time to like delve into all that so it's just it sounds like it sounds like a lot uh, the deal yeah it, it it gets complicated. It sounds really easy when people are like, oh, yeah, it's a new thing and you make a bunch of money. That always, it always sounds like I, that. There's always a new thing where you make a bunch of money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It's really easy. How are it going to be? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it was kind of born out of the people who became memes, right? Like they're like the Star Wars kid, right? Like he, right. if you remember the Star Wars kid from like the early 2000s, he was everywhere. And People took his likeness and like changed it up and made it their own and did all this stuff. And he didn't cash on it. Oh, he made no money yeah, on it. And so that. it came, he didn't create it, but I mean, the idea of the NFT, but it's kind of that sense. It's like, if you are a content creator of any kind, then it was a way they thought to kind of be able to cash in on yeah people Mm -hmm. taking it and running with it and making it their own. And that would have like killed TikTok, right? Like, <laughs> If, if yeah. that really gained steam, TikTok and Snapchat and those apps would just be dead in the water because they couldn't afford to keep up with all the content that was being right. produced. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then you got the whole AI thing too that's coming in and people are like spitting out art with that, you know? So that's that's something to think about for the future too, you know, where where, where people are going to draw the line as far as that goes, you know, like... Yeah. Like and RP. that was that was something I wanted to ask you too is like for you know I'm sure this happens for your artwork. I've seen it exceptionally much for your dad's screaming hand where people change it right to be whatever, right? Like oh, leopard right. print screaming hand and zebra print screaming hand or the one I see a lot is like the the alien from aliens, like the hand coming out of the hand coming out of the hand. Right. Um, yeah, there's a lot for sure. Yeah, so it's like with AI, 
like you're saying, like someone could go into one of these generators and say, you know, Jimbo Phillips art uh, outer space, right? Right. And then they take that machine will take your art and make something new of it, right? Well, then that person can yeah, do whatever they want. And they regulate it so you can't like pick an artist's name because that seems like that would really be infringing on like an artist's rights. Like, it, you know, if you could just plug in like an artist's name and then have them, but it's that I mean, way. I, the one, the one safeguard that they've done with that now recently is because um, I'm learning about this stuff at work right now is if uh, you're a public figure, most of these AI generators and engines like you can't say oh harrison ford as an astronaut underwater whatever right some crazy thing it'll say like no harrison ford is a public figure boom dead in the water so i'm sure right. i'm sure as you know more artists speak up like they're going to be putting themselves on like a ban list of you cannot you hope that generate anything. Well, John Stewart did a thing a couple of months yeah. ago where mm -hmm. he was he was having an AI generate John Stewart art and nothing was banned. They had a like a bazillion different likenesses of him they, they came up with. So there was no there was no there were no guardrails on that particular instance, but I don't know, you know, otherwise well this always seems to happen with the internet things. Like the internet comes in there's no rules and people start doing all this crazy stuff. And then they're like, Oh, wait a minute. We got to put After it's all broken. in place. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you yeah, yeah, exactly. It's already too late. Like it's already, you already opened the floodgates, you know, like, right. right. should have thought of that ahead of time. Yeah. You just super powerful tool. And then, Oh, surprise, surprise. People use it for all this like weird well, stuff. Like, you know, you it's, know? A, it's a tangent, <laughs> exactly. but like we're in a world now where people expect it, just any, any song they want, they can get on their phone. And they're the, the idea of buying music it, it's kind of it's kind of gone. It's for the most part, it's kind of gone away for the most part. And I don't know if art's going to be the same way or not with, with right. these new tools that are coming out. I don't know. I know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, yeah it makes you think. You know, I mean, you you always think people are going to prefer like a real real right. song or a real piece of art to something generated, but you know, well, yeah, the next generation. Have, you know, is what the kids next these days are. I'm looking at my phone if you're watching at home. Kids these days are are like yeah, used to li listening to compressed music on a phone, not you know a piece of vinyl where you have to clean the record right. and get high fidelity and I'm old and all that shit. But you know, so you know. <laughs> yeah, and they're used to same thing, exact on their same phone thing too. Yeah. You know, so yeah. are, are they gonna be able to differentiate what's on their phone yeah. and what's a real piece of art? You know, uh -huh. or, I don't know. I was almost thinking maybe I can try and use it to my advantage somehow i don't know but i don't know i haven't got there yet but you know have it have it make art for me and i like, tell yeah. what to do right the pictures computer somebody joe yeah. was somebody asked me have you have you tried to have ai write a song no <laughs> no 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 well paul mccartney's really? doing it so oh. <laughs> yeah yeah there he and ringo apparently there's a a piece of Beatles music uh, that exists, uh, but without lyrics, right? So all four of them, the the original four, created the song, but no, like John Lennon didn't get around to writing the lyrics for the song, and so yeah. it, Paul McCartney and Ringo are like partnering up with some AI people, and they're like, all right, let's throw all of John Lennon's songs, his lyrics that he's ever written, 
into this machine and then have the machine uh -huh. learn how John wrote songs to spit out an original Lennon McCartney song, <laughs> right? Tells me John Lennon would not be cool. You know, I would, I would, no. being the grumpy old guy, I would say, you know, Paul McCartney wrote a song or two with John Lennon. He could probably just write something, but that's just me. Right. You know? That's what I would say. Like, it's kind of condoning the fear we have of this thing, having those two get involved. I might, but anyway, what do I know? Yeah. Man. Well, I, there, I think there's a Nirvana song that's been created really? completely with AI. Yeah so weird i just don't get it are people just getting it's a new it's what? a new toy it's a new thing you know it's different it's takes yeah. a lot it, it takes a lot less effort to like tell AI, you know alexa write me this song right or whatever you know versus like sitting down for a couple of months and like beating <laughs> beating your head to get this thing done but, same with same with drawing but then you where's know, like the know. authenticity yeah but like where's the authenticity then like how can you really still say that you're the artist and creator of something if you're you not actually enter. doing it <laughs> i know it's just so strange to me i can see how it could be useful for some things but it just seems not yeah. about my head a great conversation but i'm depressed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm yeah. just kidding yeah. So, yeah. so jimbo outside outside of you know the, the art you're you're creating for yourself you you were I see that you were you had your work featured in one of Tony Hawk's games. You, I believe, you had like your own app-based game, or maybe you still do. Um, oh yeah. So, kind of talk about that. How are you approached to to work with Tony Hawk, and you know what are and how do you get into making a game? Yeah, Tony Hawk was that was a fun project. Um, that was kind of early on. That was two thousand five, I think. It's been a while now um they were looking for skate art for in the game and they they kind of wanted like panels they kind of wanted like a comic book kind of uh inner interface with the uh story mode so the story mode is kind of you go along and you're you're a character and you 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 go through the story of the game and it kind of takes you you got to do challenges and stuff to get past certain levels and then uh so when you would complete it it would be like normal video game play but then there would be uh parts where like this comic book kind of art would pop up for like a like a special feature and that's i drew those panels so like there's like a dude that gets punched in the face and so this panel pops up and like the dude's getting punched and they kind of like animated it a little bit for like back then kind of it would move a little bit just enough to kind of give it some motion and then uh yeah so it's like interwoven into the game i still have kids or you know people that were kids back that time and they're like oh that game changed my life you know or things like that or that art in that game i always wondered who did it and things like that so it's it's been pretty cool yeah i mean his games are probably the first time that i can think of where like pop culture came into like the video game space so like he had right. different punk bands, you know, that laid the soundtrack for his games and like your art. And so, you know, it's kind of like the Guitar Hero thing. Like you have kids playing Guitar Hero and it's like 70s era songs, 80s era songs. And now these songs are popular with a whole new generation of kids who otherwise would never have heard it right. or seen it. So I think that's that, that was genius on his or whoever his team's part was to kind of get a soundtrack going um and visuals 
going outside of just the standard kind of gameplay yeah for sure yeah it turns a lot of kids on to music and art yeah i got a friend who's a guitar teacher jim, jim lewin local musician and when he was giving lessons he said all these kids were coming to me asking for these classic rock songs and i i go did your parents listen to this stuff and he goes no guitar hero the kid it, it turned the kids on to all this classic <laughs> rock what's a typical week like for you these days what is what does jimbo do day by day because you can do so many varied things i'm curious yeah yeah um usually just kind of wake up get going with some coffee and uh answer emails and then you know start drawing on stuff um you know it could be a you know i always have kind of different different stuff going on but usually some definitely some drawing going on and uh um what else uh usually try and get some skating in or some surfing some physical activity at mm. some point okay and then uh sometimes i'll work at night too when Things are kind of quiet and the phone's not ringing and stuff. Usually spend a little bit of time on, you know, social media, either posting something or, uh, you know, answering messages and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Are you working from home? Yeah. I have got my house here yeah. nice. and uh, um, I have a warehouse where we, uh, we print shirts and stuff. Sometimes if I have a big project like painting or something that's going to be messy, I can go over there and work on stuff. Yeah, we've been ramping up the uh, the T-shirts and stuff, so we're we're going to be opening up a store over at uh, the Capitola Mall, which is a little mall over here nice. by our house. So we're gonna have a little store in there, kind of an outlet for all our um, me and some fellow artists, kind of to have a little place to sell our stuff. When's that opening? What's the timeline on that? Um, should be open in about a month or two. Oh, kind of. Cool. And opening yet but yeah it's it's gonna be pretty cool the mall kind of uh went downhill during the covid and everything no one wanted to go indoors there's there's a lot of empty floor space there's a lot of empty space in yeah. there to like put something it's cool. sad right yeah and so yeah. all the big companies pulled out victoria's secret and all them they pulled out and so but now it's filling in with kind of like smaller local stores and brands i've seen that we were there recently and like little independent you know like like a town used to be with like yeah. little stores yeah, and it's kind of even cooler than it used to be, I think. So I, I would agree. Yeah. So hopefully it's kind of making they're uh, eventually they're going to rebuild it, but that's not for about five years or so. So, but they're going to do like a big grand like rebuild. So really, wow. Yeah. 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 Housing and stuff too. I, I'd like to see some of the food trucks set up shop in the food court there. It's pretty. Um, because yeah. that food court is, is like it is the food court. Like, there's like a, there's like a cinnamon and half a lemonade stand you know? or something left. You know. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, the food court's a big draw. So I mean, if they ramp that up, that would help a lot for sure. Yeah, I think what you said too. I think if the, if the mall can promote, we've got a lot of local independent yeah, yeah. businesses setting up shop here. Come check it out. That actually might be a draw. Yeah, yeah, we're hoping to kind of help ramp it up a bit too. So. That's yeah. a great idea. And then Christmas is coming and, you know, people got to go out and shop and stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, one thing we always do in this, too, is because you are local, we, we always end up talking about food. So quite often taquerias because Joe and I are from South Carolina. But where do you where do you like to go to eat in Santa Cruz proper or in Live Oak? What what are some of your go to spots? Um, I mean, I like Tacos Morenos. Good choice. Uh, Los Pericos. I just found them and they're down by the town clock there they have good mexican food uh and they have they have one in, in corlitas now down our way 
And oh, okay. That, that green sauce you can drink by the glass, right? The verde yeah, sauce. I know. It's so good. <laughs> and then for pizza, I'd probably say um, Pizza My Heart, Pleasure Pizza, and maybe good choices. Bucks yeah. once in a while. Nice. My Hearts, I would say, is my favorite, but Pleasure Pizza comes in close second. I'll, Pleasure Pizza is a nice hang, too. It's just, it's a cool spot. It's in a really yeah. cool spot. Right. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they have they have like the slice location, and they have like a, a sit down kind of restaurant place. So, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they got yeah. a stuff there. That's a good place. Yeah, the corner nice. of Forty First and Portola is just a nice place to stop in for a bit, and you know, it's good stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So, so what do you so what do you go ahead? People hit me up because I do pizza art, so I always get like you know pizza fans. Uh, Talking to me about pizza and stuff. <laughs> pizza tattoos, pizza action figures. You got the whole market cornered. Pizza, yeah, pizza, everything. That's I have pizza shirts, you know, like I should sell pizza. <laughs> Your next venture. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jimbo's pizza. You right. know it'd be a you know it'd be a draw. Well, I, I think the sign would be really cool if nothing else, but I know it'd be a draw. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That <laughs> um, uh, maybe out like a signature pie with a existing place or something that's not that's that's actually a really good idea it's probably easier to, to make happen too yeah you yeah know? comes with a shirt and a sticker or something well like pizza my heart does like a, a slice and a shirt and a drink for like it's 10 bucks maybe i mean it's, it's really yeah. affordable so like if yeah. you had your signature shirt with a slice that would be a big i would that, that'd be a big seller yeah yeah it's a good idea i might have to look into yeah. that nice let us know when it's up what else are you working on these days are you Anything you can talk about in terms of? Uh... Uh, yeah, I have a I have a couple posters that um, I'm getting made. A couple rock posters for for events coming up. Um, I did one for this local band Drain that's uh, that's getting a lot of buzz right now. And then I did one for uh, Dirty Heads, which is a touring reggae act that has a big uh, poster following. And then uh, yeah, I might have one for Guns and Roses coming up. So that's exciting. Yeah, yeah that's settled and then uh a couple skateboard things and um yeah so it's usually like rock posters skateboard stuff t-shirts <laughs> um kind of in that that realm of stuff sometimes like a beer label or uh awesome. other little things will creep in there but th those those are kind of like my bread and butter stuff for sure I have a children's book out called Keep on Pushing. It's fun fun little read for if you got little ones. Um it's pretty pretty like mellow little read and then we're we're hoping to do another one that's a little more uh in the Jimbo vein of just kind of like slime and snot and stuff. So <laughs> we're going to do like a uh kind of like a monstery kind of creepy fun one. So that might fun. be fun. Kids love kids love slime and snot yeah. and who doesn't love monsters? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. This one is a little more like clean, just kind of about a kid and a skateboard, but we want to do another one that's just kind of a little more over the top, you know, just get some of those eyeballs popping out of heads and stuff. And... Oh, fun. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. I love the cover art for your, the Keep on Pushing book. Sorry, oh, I, thanks. I'm, I just found it on your website. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fun, it's a fun little book. And then, uh, yeah, people can go to my web store. I have a web store with T-shirts and the book and posters and stuff at jimbophillips.com. Um, I'm, I'm always updating the store, so there's always 
new stuff on there and uh and then instagram for um for kind of current activity would be the way to go fantastic nice to meet you man looking forward to the store and we'll see you in the real world sometime yeah yeah let's stay in touch for sure take care man hey you too take care you know i knew jimbo would be a cool guy just had a feeling looking at his artwork i knew we were going to like this guy a lot that was fun and as you listeners probably know, most of these interviews end up devolving into like, what's your favorite taqueria? This it's kind of our thing. And that was a lot of fun. So we we got places to check out as always. Uh, I want to mention too that remind you that uh, his website is jimbophillips.com with two L's. And if you're not in your car listening to this interview, um, check out the website. There's some pretty amazing stuff there. It's really, really cool stuff. Jimbo Phillips. What an interesting guy. That was super fun to hear about his art process and how he got started and all the crazy cool things he's done. Um, so we hope you enjoy this episode. I also want to add, and I say this a lot, but thank you all for taking the time to listen, subscribe and share from wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We really appreciate it. And if you know somebody local or formerly local who's doing cool things, let us know. Go to area831podcast.com, contact us and let us know who they are. We would love to talk to them. And just so you know, we're going to go on a little quick summer break. We'll be back in a few weeks. So again, subscribe. We'll be back soon. And thank you for listening to the Area 831 podcast. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. See ya. <laughs>